taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Give God praise for he is good. Amen. Would you remain standing? We're going to do our declaration together and then we're going to pray and you can be seated and we'll get into the word of the Lord. Let's do this together. Lord, today by faith, we declare that we are walking in the manifestation season. As your faithful remnant, we will house your very presence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he has delivered us from all of our troubles and fears. We are no longer victims, but we are victors in Christ. We will not be deceived by the lies of the enemy, but we will give health, healing, and wholeness to the hopeless and those in despair. We will live under your anointing and see the revealed purpose of Christ in each of our lives. We declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. Let us pray. Lord, so thankful to be, once again, I said this this morning to you in this service, Lord, and I've been saying it a lot to you. I'm so thankful to be a member of your kingdom, to be a son of the Most High God, to be adopted into the family with the full benefits of being the firstborn son. I'm thankful, Lord, to be here, to be among family. I'm thankful to be able to get into your word, and I pray you would anoint me tonight. And I pray, Lord, I preach what you desire and not an opinion of mine but truth and truth and love Lord I pray I wouldn't be here or take comfort in applause or actions or standing hand claps but I just look to you for validation because you are the one whom I'm here to please I'm thankful I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Tonight I want to get into a talk entitled Citizen of Heaven. Citizen of Heaven. We're going to go to Philippians 3, 17 through 21. Philippians 3, 17 through 21. And this is what it says. Brothers, join in imitating me. Paul talking about himself. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is their destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. Say it with me. My citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things unto himself. I, you, hopefully, are a citizen of heaven. Like so many books in the New Testament, of course, you probably know, Paul was the author of this book called Philippians, and it was directly wrote to the church in Philippi. You won't fully understand Philippians 
You won't really fully understand any epistle unless you go and study and understand the background of these colonies and these churches. This church specifically was in Philippi, and Philippi was a Roman colony in Macedonia. And what would happen is Roman soldiers would retire in this colony of Philippi. It was well known that they would go and retire in this place. That was the main thing it was known for, and that was so many of the people in that colony were former Roman soldiers and Roman citizens. If you didn't know this, in those days you were extremely proud to be a citizen of Rome. It was a highly prized citizenship. You were proud to be a citizen. So it was no surprise that these people were known for their patriotic nationalism. What is patriotic nationalism? It's devotion to and vigorous support for one's country. Patriotism or national pride is the feeling of love, devotion, and a sense of attachment to a homeland and an alliance with other citizens who share the same sentiment. Now, there's nothing wrong with patriotic nationalism, but the problem was in this colony is that Paul came proclaiming that Jesus was king. And when he came to this colony, he faced a lot of resistance from these Roman citizens. And even after Paul left this colony, even when he was gone, the church continued to face the same resistance because the Romans thought they were above everyone else because their emperor was the best and their kingdom was the best. And possibly it was in those days when it comes to the earthly kingdoms. And I believe as Paul penned this, He was inspired by the Spirit, just like in every other single epistle. He knew exactly what was taking place in Philippi. He knew exactly what was going on, and that's why you find these words here in Philippians 3.20. Would you put that back up for me, Josh? One more time. I just want to read it one more time. Philippians 3, verse 20. Or Steve, whoever's doing it. Our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await the Savior, the Lord, Jesus Christ. I believe in these verses, in these words, Paul was conveying a message to the people in Philippi that applies to us today that our heavenly citizenship supersedes our earthly and national citizenship. Supersedes. As citizens of heaven, pay close attention to what I'm saying, please. We should talk, act, and live more proud, more, keyword more, proud to be a citizen of heaven than to be a citizen of America. Before I keep going, I just want you to know this is not an American bashing sermon. This is not a sermon that is saying you shouldn't be proud to be an American citizen. I am proud to be an American citizen. I am not ashamed of it. That is not what this sermon's about. And if you go away thinking that, you're not listening. This is not a sermon fueled by politics. And at times you might think it is, but I assure you, it is not. This is a sermon that is focusing on my previous statement, which as citizens of heaven, I'll say it again, should talk, act, and live more proud to be a citizen of heaven than be a citizen of America. So tonight, I'm going to give you biblical reasons for this fact, and some of these you're going to think are common sense, and you know these things. It's, I say this a lot when I preach, it's... One thing to know something, it's another thing to live it. And so I just want to remind you that the kingdom of God supersedes any nation, any kingdom, any emperor, period. Period. 
So let's go through these four reasons. Let's go to number one. Number one, slide number one, Josh. Next slide, if you would. Jesus being king is greater than any form of man-made government. I'll say it again. Jesus being king is greater than any form of man-made government. Christ reigns supreme in the kingdom. In America, it seems that election season never ends. We've had 45 presidents, tons of elected officials, national, state, county, city. Those things are great. I'm not saying those things are not. They are necessary. But the awesome thing about the kingdom, in America, we elect our officials, but in the kingdom, there was no election to determine who was the king of the kingdom. He didn't have a campaign. He didn't need your money. He didn't even need your vote. Jesus was king, and you can't say anything about it, nor can anyone else, and his kingdom is greater than any other kingdom, and you can't say anything different, nor should you believe anything different. The kingdom is his. There seems that in the government, there's this constant battle, this constant struggle for power. Boom, bang, boom. All the time. Constantly. In the kingdom, there is no power struggle, amen? There's no power struggle in the kingdom. Jesus has absolute power, and he has absolute authority. Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says this, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed him on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Ephesians 1, 20 and 21, if that wasn't enough, that he worked in Christ when he was raised from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Jesus has all authority. There has never been a perfect king. There has never been a perfect president, leader, or ruler. But Jesus, Jesus is a perfect king. His agenda never changes. Hebrews 13, 8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Another thing I love about him, he's so perfect and it's so beautiful the way he leads. He doesn't lead just like an emperor, but he's willing to serve. He is the servant king. Matthew 20 and 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. He is a servant king. He is just. He is perfectly just. Who wants justice? Nobody? Okay. That's cool, I guess. You guys need to chill. I'm just kidding. I, I know I'm riled up. He is just. Jesus is just. Deuteronomy 32, 4. The rock, his work is perfect. For all his ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity. Just 
and upright is he. All forms of government formed by man are flawed. But I am so glad to be a part of a kingdom that has no flaws. It has no structure problems. There's no power struggle. There's no question who reigns supreme. There's no question who's the best. It's the kingdom of heaven. And the best leader is Jesus. Jesus being king is greater than any president, ruler, emperor, dictator, whatever. Let's keep going. Next thing. Number two. Here we go. In the kingdom, all are welcome. But on earth, some are welcome. This is not a political statement. I am not up here talking about open borders and closed borders or the justice system. Just put all that aside and hear me out. I'm simply stating the beautiful fact that all, all, all are welcome in the kingdom of heaven. Period. Galatians 3, 26 through 29. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized in Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And you are Christ. Then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. When Jesus gave the great commission, he didn't just say to go to one or two nations. Jesus said in Matthew 28, go to all nations. All nations. Because all are welcome. All. This perhaps might be my favorite scripture I read all night. Luke 13, 29 says this. And people will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, and recline at the table in the kingdom of God. How beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? The kingdom has no borders, and all are welcome. No matter where you were born, what color your skin is, what your family's past is, or what your past is, all are welcome. And he doesn't just say that everyone can be a part. He treats every kingdom member the same. Isn't that incredible that he treats us all the same? You know, there's been a lot of talk about being colorblind and, and not seeing color. But I assure you that when Jesus looks down on us, he sees our color and he sees how he made us. He sees how he made us. He created us and made us the skin, color of our skin and the way we are on purpose. It was not on accident. I'm white because God said I should be white. And my, some of my friends like Daenerys are black because God said he should be black. He sees that, but he treats us all the same. Isn't that beautiful? He treats us all the same. Every person in the kingdom has the same rights, privileges, and promises as anyone else. That's beautiful. And you can't get that on earth anywhere. I'm so glad to be a citizen of a kingdom like that. And I pray, I pray, my prayer is that God brings his kingdom here. That we become a kingdom like that. Bring your kingdom here, Jesus.
Number three, let's keep going. Number three, God's kingdom lasts forever, is greater than earthly and nations, or excuse me, earthly nations and kingdoms because they are temporary. Daniel 7, 14. And him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples and nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. At one time, Rome was the most powerful kingdom on the earth. And I'm sure if you walked around and talked to its citizens, they probably thought Rome would never fall because they were just that powerful. But they did. They did. America has been here for 244 years. 244 years. But I want to let you know, it will not remain forever. Isn't it crazy how our own national anthem that we sing doesn't even make a statement. It, it asks a question. Oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave? I'm not going to sing it because I'm a terrible singer. <laughs> Over the land of the free and the home of the brave. It doesn't make a statement. It asks a question. God, to my knowledge, I can't find it anywhere. And if you see it, let me know. But God never promised that America would not one day fall. He never promised that, but he did promise that the kingdom wouldn't. He did promise that. The banner of heaven will always fly. No one can take it down. It's always been flying, and it always will fly. And in heaven, we're not going to be separated by nation or kingdom by the color of our skin, we'll exist, we'll coexist together forever as citizens of heaven. And in the end, all that's going to matter, it's not going to matter where you were born or where you're from, that won't matter. All that's going to matter is if you're a member of the kingdom of heaven or you're a member of the kingdom of darkness. That's it. That's all that's going to matter. Just like Paul said in verse 18 in this passage, he said, you're either an enemy of the cross or you're not. America is not forever. My friends, I love America, but it won't last forever. The kingdom will. Number four, let's keep going. Next slide. Taking over is greater than taking sides. I'll explain myself. Taking over is greater than taking sides. I'm not going to take time to explain to you how divided our nation is. I'm not going to take time to do that. Everyone wants to know what side you're on who you're voting for, what you think about this and what you think about that. I won't even talk about that. And the natural thing to do is to convince everyone to be on our side, right? We want to tell people our case, explain ourselves, justify what we believe in, and we want people to come and, and, and agree with us. 
So we, we have rants on social media. We wear clothing. We put, put signs in the yard, and we, we let people know what side we're on. And there's nothing wrong with that, per se. The thing that is sad is when you look at members of the body of Christ, and I'm not just talking about the palace of praise, I'm talking about the body, the church. When you look and you see that when it comes to these sides that we take on all these different things, I'm not talking about one thing in particular. There's so many people taking sides right now about so many different things. The sad thing is, is that it seems that for a lot of people who are a part of the body of Christ, they're just as angry at each other, and they're trying to divide. They are dividing. They might be trying to divide, but they are dividing people just as much as the world is. And that ought not be so. Pretty quiet out there. That ought not be so. This is the key in this point. If you don't hear this part of, of this point number four, you're going to miss it. Don't fall into the trap of being distracted into fighting fights and forsake fighting the most important fight. Don't fall into the trap of being distracted into fighting fights and forsake fighting the most important fight. I believe the devil is happy right now. I'm going to tell you why. This is what I see. I can see it. I can see the devil sitting there and rubbing his hands together because he thinks he's so clever and he thinks he's so smart and he is. Because it seems like every other day there's something people want to get mad about. And is it okay to stand for what you believe in? You bet. I'm not saying that it's not. But what I am saying is if you're just so focused on earthly things, like this passage talks about, temporary things, and you forsake the things that are eternal, the enemy's got you right where he wants you. And the church is so busy fighting each other and fighting and say, take this side, take that side, and God's not, and saying, no, 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 no. You're a member of the kingdom of light. This is about being the fight between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And you're not here to just take sides you're not here just to try to pull someone on your side. We as members of the kingdom are here to take over. That's why we're here. We're called to take over. The kingdom takes over. It doesn't, it doesn't fall back. It doesn't get scared of any other kingdom. We're here to take over. <clears throat> I love this story. I, when I was growing up, when I was a kid, my dad would read the Bible to us before we'd go to sleep. We had a comic book Bible, and my most requested story was Joshua and the Israelites and the fall of Jericho. Loved that story. But right before it, something very significant takes place. In Joshua 5, verses 13 through 15, right before Jericho falls, this is what happens. Joshua 5, 13 through 15. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or for your adversaries, for our adversaries? And he said, no. No. But I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing 
is holy. And Joshua did so. As I said, Joshua and the Israelites, in that next chapter, they go and they take Jericho. And in this passage, a commander of the Lord's army comes and he stands before Joshua and Joshua is scared. He's, he's fearful. He wants to know what these man's intentions are. So he asks, are you for us? Are you for our adversaries? And his response is incredible. I, I said it again for emphasis. And you, probably, you might already know this story and you might already know where I'm going with this. But I love it. He says, no, I'm a commander of the Lord's army. I'm not here to take sides. I'm here to take over. As citizens of heaven above all else, we should be taking over. We should be building God's kingdom above all else. Above all else. And the best way to see a nation take a turn for the better is to see the people turn to God. The people. That means your neighbor. That means the person at your job. That's how America changes. We look at this, America is this broad thing that needs to change. You change America by changing your neighbor, and you can't change them, the gospel does. That's the best way. Everybody thinks you need to come to my side. You need to come to my side. You need to come to my side. It's about the kingdom. Instead of solely focusing on getting people to take a political side, let's get people to also focus on taking and being a part of the kingdom of heaven. Our number one goal is to build the kingdom. Are you building the kingdom? Are you building the kingdom? Or you just focus on earthly things, things that are going to pass away, temporary things that don't matter near as much as the kingdom does. Do they still matter? Yes. Should people run for office? Yes, of course. I'm so glad people in this church are running for offices in this town and the surrounding area. That's great. We need you in leadership. We need you. But what I am saying is it's, it's more about the kingdom than anything else. That's what I'm trying to say. And that's what I believe the word's saying. Last point, last thing, last slide. You can go to the next one, Josh. Here's the thing. Here's the question we need to ask ourselves that I have to ask myself as well. Do you live like an American who happens to be a Christian? Or do you live like a Christian who happens to be an American? I'll say it again. Do you live like an American who happens to be a Christian or do you live like a Christian who happens to be an American? How do you know? How do you know what, how you really live? How do you know? I think these are four great questions that we can all ask ourselves. If you were to really search yourself and allow even the Spirit of God to search you, not just you, but you let the Spirit of God in, and ask yourselves these reflective questions. Which citizenship sparks more passion in you? Are you more passionate about America? Or are you more passionate about the kingdom? Which one? Which one do you know more about? Simple, but true. Which has more of an effect on your identity? This is probably the best one. Which one are you more willing to die for? Now, that's a question we all need to ask ourselves. 
including me. Church, let's not get distracted. Let's build the kingdom. Let's take over. Let us storm the gates of hell because they will not prevail. And let us build the kingdom of God in this town, in the surrounding area, in Missouri, and in America. Let's take over. Would you stand?